You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleveland, Texas and meets on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleveland.com. So yesterday, as Ethan said, we had a, we had a golf tournament. Uh, and, and a funny thing happened. It was kind of, you know, God just winking at me. He does that from time to time. And he, he said, he sent in the form, his winking, he sent in the form of a golf cart lady. Any of y'all have ever played golf? The cart lady comes around every, uh, every once in a while and, and brings refreshments. And the cart lady was funny. She goes, you know what? You guys are different than the other tournament that's here. We, there was three tournaments there that day, two going on at the same time. And the, the one that was going on at the same time was us. It was a little bit, uh, it, it wasn't a church tournament. We'll put it that way. And she said to us, you know, you guys are relaxed. You're calm. You're joyful. That other crew, man, it's a whole lot different. And what she was saying to us is she was saying that, that she can tell from us the difference just by walking up and talking to us. Now, it wasn't just us. We had a lot of different teams there, and she was talking about all the teams. We had many different teams from different churches, and it was amazing to me that even her, just in the interactions on a golf course, could tell the difference between Christ followers and those who didn't necessarily follow Christ. And that's our job as the church. We are supposed to stand out as different. Now, this series is called Wicked. It's all about wicked people of the Bible. So today we're talking about Jezebel. Jezebel is so much fun. But before I get into Jezebel, grab your Bibles. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry about it. Go to your phone and download the Hope Church Cleburne app. Uh, and you can have my sermon notes right there for you. If you, haven't, if you haven't downloaded it yet, where the heck have you been? I mean, we've had 140, they said, people download the app. So if you haven't downloaded it yet, go to Google Play, your app store, whatever. Type in Hope Church Cleveland. It'll pull you up. And so we've got, a, we've got a new feature in there. If you downloaded it from the onset, we switched one of the tabs to be event registration. So you can now go into your app and, and register immediately for our events. I've got an event coming up that I want you to go register for. March 1st and 2nd is the Saturate Conference. It's going to be a good time. Oh. Thanks, Kinsey. Uh, we've got myself speaking. Y'all ever heard of me? No, okay. I'm not a big deal. Don't worry about it. And then the second guy, Pastor Darius Johnson of Christ Church in Fort Worth. Uh, he's, he's a great guy. Uh, and then Chad Benson, lead pastor of LifeGate in Burleson. We've got some different worship talent coming on, our, our very own Hope Worship with some guest worship leader, Jesse Taft, Josh Miller, Scott, and Melanie Jones. It's going to be an awesome time. And here's the deal. It is free only if you register. If you show up the day of, we're going to charge you 10 bucks. So if you register before the event, it is free. Now, the only things that aren't free is lunch and child care. On Saturday, we have a $5 Chick-fil-A box because you can't be a Christian without eating Chick-fil-A, right? 
according to John Christ, if you ever listen to him, right? So it's a, it's a Chick-fil-A box. That's for five bucks. If you don't want that, you want to go grab you something to eat, bring your lunch, whatever, that's fine. Uh, and then if you would like childcare, it is $10 per kid. And I know what you're saying. That's expensive. Good luck finding cheaper childcare than 10 bucks a kid for two days. Okay. And, and so if you don't want ours, you don't have to take it. Uh, so it's going to be a good event. I'm really excited about it. Um, March 1st and 2nd. Just get online, register for it, it's free. If not, you show up and you're late, it's $10. So today, we're talking about Jezebel. Now, listen, I write these messages in teams, and all the time I tell my team, I go, listen, y'all come up with these good ideas, we come up with these good ideas together, but some of these topics I have to preach, okay? I know that y'all think these are great ideas, but I actually have to get up and preach these things. Today is one of these topics, uh, and this whole series is one of these topics. Today we talk about Jezebel. Next week we talk about Herod, the baby killer. The next week we talk about the Pharisees who put politics above Jesus. And the last week is Absalom. So it's going to be a good series. Um, if you think this week is hot, too hot to handle, uh, just wait week two and week three and week four. It's going to punch you in the face. Uh, it's the face melter is what I call it. So you're going to enjoy. So let's talk about Jezebel. If you want to read about Jezebel, she's in 1 Kings 18 through 21, and she was in leadership about 30 years. She was a priest to the false god of Baal. Now, what is the false god of Baal? We, we, we get mad at God all the time because he seems so hateful in the Old Testament. Y'all ever notice that? That God seems like he's just so mad in the Old Testament. Let me tell you why he was mad. His people were, were mixing the worship of the one true God with worship of Baal. What is the worship of Baal, you ask? Basically, it's people come together, worship, have a big giant orgy, and whatever babies come of said orgies are sacrificed as blood sacrifice to the false idol of Baal. And they had mixed and mingled that with Christian or with worship of the one true God. You think God might be a little upset about that? And she was a priest of this idol worship. And so she brought hundreds of lewd Baal worship priests with her. She was daughter of a power-hungry king and stopped at nothing to get what she wanted. Her husband gave up his authority to his bride. She became the queen. And then Jezebel and Naboth falsely accused of a crime. She had Naboth falsely accused of a crime so that she could benefit and rise to power. Jezebel was killed because she stood in place with all of her royal garb on and refused to leave in defiance. You find this in 2 Kings 9. And so the dogs, after she was killed, the dogs ate the majority of her corpse. Her defiance of the order that God had put in place eventually destroyed her. And so guys, what we're talking about today, the, the thoughts that we're talking about today is Jezebel represents defiance. Jezebel represents something that is much to the dismay of everything that God represents. Jezebel thinks she has a better plan than God. Now, I grew up a good old Southern Baptist boy. I was, I, we, we opened our hymn books and sung every Sunday. Uh, that's why I love God, you are so good, because I mean, that's, that's what I grew up on. But here's the thing. Until I started hanging out with these more Pentecostal people, I never heard of a Jezebel spirit. 
Now, I've found that every poor, every poor lady that has an attitude from time to time says, girl, you need to get that Jezebel spirit off you. I'm just like, huh? So I had to look it up. Like, what is this Jezebel spirit? I mean, I thought I had read my Bible, but, you know, and then you get here. So, so today, what we're truly defining is Jezebel. And the spirit of Jezebel is this. It's saying to God that you are smarter than him. It's listening to the world instead of God. And so the message I have for you today is how do we keep our life and the church in order? How do we keep our life and the church in order? So point number one, do not focus on the one that screams the loudest. Revelation chapter two, we're going to start in verse 20. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. So guys, in the time of Jezebel, she called herself a prophet. Now the prophets in the Old Testament received direct revelation from God and gave it to the people. So people thought that Jezebel was bringing the word of God when actually she was bringing a false message, but she was the loudest. And the problem is in our world, we have a tendency to listen to the person that screams the loudest instead of the truth. Guys, what I'm here to tell you today is that God doesn't have to speak loud. He speaks in a whisper. His truth doesn't have to speak loud because his truth will stand this test of time. So my question to you is, do you listen to the world or do you listen to God? There's lots of things in this world that we deem unacceptable. Or there's lots of things in this world that this world ex- deems acceptable that we as Christ followers, if you actually will get down and dig deep in the word, are not acceptable. One thing that came up as we were studying this is the fact of living with each other before you get married. Now, God's plan is this. It's lined down in Genesis chapter 2. If you don't believe me, go look it up. God appointed that man should come together with his wife, leave his father and mother, leave his father and mother, meaning get married. Then the two shall become one shall live together, shall be in the same place. But the problem is the way our world says it is that we should get into a relationship, move in together, and then get engaged. But what God is saying to us is he's saying, no, 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 no. I want the commitment before the payoff. The problem is our world puts the payoff before the commitment. Does anybody ever give you a loan before you sign on the dotted line? No. And, and a lot of people say, I, I hear this a lot with people that, that are anti-marriage. Marriage is just a piece of paper. Maybe, but the commitment is not. What God is saying to you is he's saying, I want you to be committed to one another before you get the payoff. And the problem is the world, we've, we've, put, we've put the cart before the horse. We're confused as why our divorce rate is so high. But we think we know how to do marriage better than God planned it. And we're just wondering why, why is everybody so depressed? 
Why is everybody so mad? And why can no one stay married? Because we're not doing it God's way. Now, I love my wife. She's in the nursery right now. But I loved her so much that I wanted to tell her to commit to her before God and before many of my witnesses that I was going to spend the rest of my life with her before I got the payoff. The problem is we're okay with giving the payoff without receiving the commitment that we need. So listen, young people, listen to me closely. This is kind of a PG sermon, so I apologize for those uh, that are in here with their kiddos, uh, but we'll work on it. But what I'm saying to you today is, ladies, guys, you are valuable. You have worth. And if someone cannot commit to you forever, but before receiving all the benefits of marriage without any of the commitment, then they're not worth it because you're worth it. And so guys, what I'm saying to you today, God's way is the only way. If God says that we are supposed to get married, then move in together, then have all the benefits of marriage, then we better do it that way or it's not going to work well for us at all. Because the problem is the people of Israel had so perverted what God had called them to do that they didn't look any different in the world. The reason I'm saying to you is, is that we as the church, we are not supposed to look the same as the world. We're not supposed to be having marriage relationships the same way the world is. The divorce rate in the church should be staggeringly lower than it's at in the world. And the problem is it's not. Now, many people say it's higher in the church, which that's kind of actually incorrect. It's about the same. But here's the problem. It's the same. We're supposed to be better. We're supposed to be the example And so guys, what I'm saying to you is don't listen to the world. Don't listen to what the world has to say to you. Listen to what the word of God has to say to you. If we will do it his way, then there's no other way. Now I know people say, why should I have, why should I make a covenant with my spouse? Well, here's the cool thing. Jesus gave his life to make a covenant for you before you even accepted him. Jesus gave his life for you before there was even a payoff. So Jesus is not expecting you to do anything different than what he did. He gave his life for you before you even receive the blessing that comes from walking in his grace. It's the same with marriage. You need to make that commitment before you ever receive the blessings of what God has for you. And so just because the world screams louder than God does not make them right. If we want our lives to be blessed, if we want God to be blessed, if God wants to bless us, then we have to do it his way. Now, guys, if you're in this place and you are currently living in this situation that I talked about, I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I care about you. I want you to know that I want to do everything I can to make this right. So here's my deal with you. Wednesday is Halloween. Woohoo, Halloween. So if you want to make the way you're living correct, if you go get your marriage license on Monday, 72 hours from then it's Halloween. I'll dress up as Elvis and we'll have a wedding chapel of love. <laughs> Woohoo, right? 
joking about the Elvis part, but we can have a, we can have a wedding, right? But what I'm saying to you guys, what I'm saying is just because we've been doing something one way doesn't mean that God can't redeem it. God can still redeem a relationship. He just wants you to say, now that you know better, he wants you to do better. So let's keep going. Number two, Jesus is not concerned with our sin, but our reluctance to repentance. Jesus is not concerned with our sin. He knows we're going to sin. What he's concerned is, is he is if we know better and we don't do better. Revelation 22, 22, behold, I will throw her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works and I'll strike her child dead and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart and I will give to each of you according to his works, but to the rest of you in Tarit, Tarit, whatever, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. To you, I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. So we as the church have the responsibility to be different. We know better. We should do better. The problem is, is the church, we go, oh, how he loves us. And we stop there. He loves you, but he loves you enough to tell you what you do is wrong. Guys, we don't just let our kids do whatever they want. Well, some of you do, but you shouldn't. We shouldn't just let our kids do whatever they want. Why? Because it's harmful for them. I tell my kids, don't put your hand on a burning hot stove. Why? Because it'll burn you. But if they don't listen, what's going to happen? It's going to burn them. So I would hope that they would learn their lesson. But the problem is some of you just keep touching that hot stove. Because you just, because, oh, God will love me. Ah! God has grace on me. Ah! I'll keep being, I'll keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. Guys, God calls us to be different. If you know better, you need to do better. And so what I'm saying to you today is now that you know, you're responsible for knowing and you're responsible for being different. That's what I'm saying to you. If, if those of you that are in this relationship, we need to get married. I'll do whatever I can. What, what baffles my mind is there's some pastors who are like, I won't marry people if they're living together. Well, then how are they going to get out of that? How are they going to get out of this if you do not provide a way for them to do that? So guys, what I'm saying to you is, Now that you know better, you need to do better. And that's not just for people that are living together. That's for for your life. If you're an alcoholic, you know better than going into a bar. Do better. And so we as the church are are called to be different. You know, one thing I tell my son, I talk to Noah all the time. I'm, listen, bud, you're the oldest. You've been with me long enough. You know how to do this thing we called life. You have to show the other siblings what to do. You have to act the right way. So what God is saying to you is you, the reason that God calls us the city on a hill, the great shining light, the great hope of the world is because we're called to be different. The world should look at us to see the way that we're supposed to live. And so are you truly repentant? If you know the right thing and choose not to do it, 
That's your, <laughs> that's your quotable moment today. I consider not putting my name on it just so I don't get a blasted on Facebook, but hey, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. They can appreciate me all together, right? But guys, are we truly repentant if we know the right thing to do, but yet we choose not to do it? Number three, just remember, this is just week one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I tell my team, I'm the one that has to preach these things. Anyway, number three, You need to block out the noise and hear God. Block out the noise of this world and hear from God. Revelation 2, 25. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. The one who conquers and the one who keeps my works until the end. To him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. As when earth pots are broken in pieces. Even as I myself have received authority from the Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Now, there's a twofold promise in this verse. What's the twofold promise? The first thing is, if we do things the right way, if we are the shining example to the world, one, God will give us authority over the nations. How many of you want to have authority over the nation? How about, we'll just, we'll just make it singular. How many, how many of you would like to see the church have authority over this nation? Guys, I'm tired. If I see another political post on Facebook, I just might break it. Um, I'm tired of us sitting around as the church waiting for a bunch of politicians that are there for a paycheck to change something for us. We're called to change it by affecting culture. We're not called to change it by waiting for waiting for a bunch of politicians that are just up there for lobbyists to change our nation. What is going to change our nation is if the church rises up and does something different. Now, I'm not saying don't go vote. But what I'm saying is, is don't hold out hope that those are the guys that are going to change it. Because has it changed in the entire history of our nation? No, it hadn't. What changes it? Revival. And Guys, what I'm saying to you... Put your hope in God. Do your civic duty. Vote. I'm not saying don't do that. In fact, I need to do it because I won't be in, the, in, in town on election day. But guys, don't think that the, the men or women that you're voting for are going to change anything. You're going to change it. Why? Because the church, the church of Jesus, if it does what it's supposed to do, is going to rise up and bring revival to our nation. The second promise that's in here is, is the promise of the morning star. Who's the morning star? Jesus. Jesus brings resurrection. He brings resurrection in all of our lives. And so, guys, we bring the good news of the resurrection. We bring the good news of this isn't it, guys. This terrible earth that we live in, this is not all we have. We have good news that Jesus is coming. So if we follow God, we will not have to fight for influence in our culture. Jesus will give it to us. If we follow God the right way, we don't have to ask for influence. He'll give it to us. Why? Because people will notice that you have something different about you. I'm not saying that it's easy to follow Jesus. But what I am saying is that when you follow God the right way, people will notice. And they'll want to know, 
What's different about that person? I just don't know. That's how we bring change in our nation. So what does this mean for us? I know I feel like you feel like I've been yelling at you. I told the staff, I said, hey, y'all better enjoy church this week. Ain't nobody coming back next week. And so (laughs) when I I saw this message, I was like, yeah, man. And so I've been so excited to get up here. Um, So what does this mean for us? If you're new here at Hope Church, I always try to answer three questions to keep you keep you going. Number one, are you living the way God has called you to live? Are you living the way God has called you to live? Now guys, as I told you earlier, I'm called to be your pastor. I'm not called to be your best friend. The reason the Bible calls me a shepherd is because sometimes the shepherd has to thump the the sheep on top of the head and say, hey, you're going to get lost if you quit acting like this. If you don't quit acting like this, it's time to head this way. In fact, sometimes the shepherd will break the leg of the sheep so that he realizes who's the captain now <laughs> so that he won't be dumb and walk off without the shepherd. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to break your legs. But if you don't give me something for Pastor Appreciation Month, I'm going to break your legs. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We'll see in that box whose legs are good, all right? <laughs> I'm just joking. What I'm saying to you is I'm not called to be your friend. Do I want to be your friend? Sure. But what I'm called is to preach the truth. One day when I get to heaven, I'm not going to look at you guys and go, how did I do? <laughs> I'm going to look at God and he's going to say, all right, let's talk about this. That Wicked series. Whoo, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> So guys, are you living the way that you need to be living? Because guys, I'm here to tell you, you know, I don't have to tell you. I don't have to stand up here and yell at you for 30 minutes on a Sunday for you to know the right thing. You know the right thing. Why don't you do it? Number two, are you setting the example to the world around you? You know, a, a great story that I love to tell. I don't, I used to say this a lot, but I don't say it anymore because it kind of holds a special place in my heart. There's, there's somebody that used to go, well, I guess she still goes to this church in spirit. Her name was Joy Ryback. She's actually in heaven now. I used to say to everybody, hey, if I came to your work, would they know that you go to church? Would they know that you know Jesus? So one day I was in a hurry. I went to Walmart. Those of you that know me well, know that I don't go to Walmart that often. It's not that I don't like Walmart, it's just that I don't like the people inside it, not the people that work there, the people that shop there. Um, and so I was rushing through Walmart. I think I had to get something to get back to the church. And, and I wasn't paying attention to what line I was getting in, but I happened to get into Joy's line. I looked up, set my stuff down. I said, hey, Joy. And without saying, hey, Pastor Todd, out of you, the first thing out of her mouth was, they know I go to church. And I, and I was sitting there, I was dumbfounded, and then, and then it came back into my mind, oh, she's talking about what I preach about. And I said, Joy, I'm not here to check out. And so she proceeded to take me from line to line to say, see, you know I go to Hope Church, right? And, and Joy, she's a sweet lady, but she, she kind of had like the exterior of Oscar the Grouch, so nobody was going to tell her, no, you don't go to church, right? 
And so she took me from line to line saying, hey, you know I go to church, right? You know I go to church, right? I'm like, Joy, it's fine. I believe you. Give me my stuff so I can get out of here. <laughs> but I say that to say this. If I went to your work, would they know that, you, that there was something different about you? Would they report to Pastor Todd that there was something different about you? One of the things that it's so funny about this world is I don't always like to tell perfect strangers what I do for a living because usually it turns into like an hour-long confession session. And I'm like, what, where did this come from? So I, get, so I get on an airplane. Worst place to get stuck next to somebody. But we were, we were headed to Kansas City for some, some things for outreach. I was with Grant, Ronnie, Joe, and Paul. We're walking on an airplane. I get stuck. We, we bought the cheap seats, so we didn't get to pick our seats. So we got stuck by whoever. Uh, I didn't get stuck by all these guys. They were in another row laughing at me because I was talking the whole time. But I get stuck next to this guy. And he gets in. He was saying some cuss words. And, you know, it wasn't a good day. He's an Aggie, so I started to pray for him. Um, (laughs) Then we get to the point of the, the awkward small talk where you ask everybody the same question. What do you do for a living? And I'm like, ah. Like, I don't want to tell him because I know what's going to happen. So I say, I'm a pastor. And he goes, yeah, man, I just had a bad day. I don't always cuss like this. It's just like, it's like, no, it's not. Let's not have a confession session. So from Dallas-Fort Worth International to Memphis, we had a long conversation about life. And it, what, what did I say? Did I say Memphis? I want, Memphis is a good place, but we're going to Kansas City. And the thing is, is I had planned, I had some Amazon stuff downloaded on my, on my, on my iPad. I was going to watch the new uh, Jack Ryan show, uh, and that just didn't work out for me. It didn't work out for me. I still haven't even watched it. It's still downloaded on my, no time. But the funny thing is, is he knew better, and he felt convicted just because a pastor was sitting next to him that he needed to get his life together. And they laughed at me because they were like, you were talking the whole time. I was like, he was talking. You just couldn't hear him because he was too soft. And so they still make fun of me. But what I'm saying to you is, you know the right thing to do. This guy knew the right thing to do. He just felt convicted because he got stuck next to a pastor on an airplane. So don't take, don't live your life until you get stuck next to a pastor on an airplane. So I pray this God. This guy got his life right with God. He was an Aggie fan. I don't know how that's possible. But, you know, I pray that he got right. So my third and final question for you is, as Pastor Mo comes back, are you ready to bring revival to this nation? Are you ready to bring revival to this nation? Guys, we can look around and see a lot of people that say one thing and do something different. We talk about politicians, talk about a group of people that say one thing and do something different. And we are expecting these people to bring change to our world. Guys, I know, it's, I know it's election season. I know that we're, we're focused on politics. But what I'm saying is, is a church that has everything together will bring revival to this nation far more than a bunch of politicians that can't lie their way out of a paper bag. So guys, God is getting his church ready. God is preparing his pure and spotless bride to bring revival to this nation. My question is, are you gonna get in the way of that? We are supposed to look different. We are supposed to be different. So guys, today, I'm going to ask our prayer team to get in place. If you're praying today, 
please, please get in place where you are. Somebody, go ahead. Jerry, Renee, could y'all go ahead? So what we're saying to you today is we're not looking for a confession session. We're, we're not looking for an overshare session. I, I don't need you to be like the guy on the, the flight to Kansas City. I don't need your whole life story. But what I'm saying to you today is there's some, thi- is there some things in your life that you need to straighten up. Do you need to leave this place closer to the Lord? Allow us to pray for you. Allow us to get that right. And guys, like I told you, my promise is still there. I know that I, I called some people out that, that, are, that are living together. You know, I'm, I'm not here to judge you. Ultimately, the Lord does the judging. But I want you to know that I love you. And I want you to know, go get that license. God can redeem it. And he will redeem your relationship. And I have, I have all faith and I have all confidence in the world that he's going to do that. One of my favorite things to do is, is weddings. I even love to do weddings that I don't have to wear a suit for. Justin. <laughs> I didn't have to wear a tie for you, man. Jeez. But guys, God is speaking today. He's saying to you, will you be his pure spotless bride? Will you do better because you know better? Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you. We just thank you that you love us. Even despite how many times we, we try to test your grace. No matter how many times we know better and we don't do better. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us today. Show us how to better follow you. And Lord, I pray that you would just convict us. If we need to make some things right in our lives today, Lord, I pray that you would just give us the strength to do that. Lord, we're here to pray for one another, Lord, and I pray that you would just help us to see one another. Help us to seek out some prayer if we need some prayer to come together with the body of Christ. So, Lord, I just thank you for what you're going to do today. Lord, I thank you for the lives that you're going to change. Lord, it's in Jesus' name.